And as we look into the word, we'll allow the word to search us. Because we sometimes think disease is dangerous. But there is something more dangerous than disease, that is deception. And that's the killer. That brought mankind down was not disease, but deception. And what will bring mankind down again is not disease, it is deception. So we finish this tonight as we pray. We pray, Lord, help us. Because there's only one antidote to deception, that's truth. It's God himself, nothing else. And we come to you, Father, once again, acknowledging that without you, we are nothing, we can do nothing, and we are already defeated without you. But with you and through you, we can do all things. The need of this hour and the need of every hour is you. Only you, Lord. If you are with us, we can go anywhere. So this night, once again, I pray you will teach us. You continue to change us from inside out. The whole person found blameless the hour of your coming. We need power, more of grace, when as the truth keeps coming twice a day, and we see things we never saw before, we need more power, Lord. Without grace, nothing is possible. Speak to us and empower us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So, we saw last night the fundamental purpose of God behind this whole purpose of creation, redemption. It's a bride for his son. The core purpose, a bride for his son. And we saw yesterday... <coughs> A pure, pure virgin, chaste. That's not how we were. That's how he will make us. We saw that in Corinthians 11, 2 and 3. And not to fall away from that pure, simple devotion to Christ Jesus. Then we saw how Christ, through the washing of the word, makes a glorious a glorious, spotless, blemishless, wrinkle-free. I like that, wrinkle-free, because all our ladies are so worried about wrinkles. I'm telling you, allow Christ, you'll have no wrinkles in your soul. Mankind yet hasn't found anything that can take the wrinkles of your soul except Christ. And in Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29, these are all spiritual truths pointing in the same direction. Him we preach. We preach Christ. Warning every man and teaching every man. With all wisdom that we may present every man. Perfect in Christ Jesus. This is the entire purpose of this man. Incredible man's ministry. Was to 
present every man perfect in Christ. To this end also I labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. So he looks at the truth and he looks at the power that enables it even in himself. So please remember, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So like we said, Noah's judgment, the enemy's purpose till Jesus Christ came, was to defile mankind, defile the Jewish nation, so the seed of the woman that Christ would not come. Now that he has come, his entire purpose is to defile the church, so that the bride does not come. First was he was after the bridegroom. Now he's after the bride. So understand the ways of him hasn't changed. The target has changed. We also saw yesterday how God, the picture from the Old Testament, Abraham, Eliezer, and Isaac, Genesis 24. We saw the work of the Holy Spirit, actually, in Genesis 24, verse 22, Eliezer has, who ruled over all that he had. So the Holy Spirit rules over, exercise power and authority. And that's what Jesus is telling his disciples. Don't leave Jerusalem until he who exercises power and authority comes. And when he comes, you will have power and authority. Okay, we need him. The Holy Spirit is the one who rules over all that God has. <clears throat> and in verse 3 we saw, You will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites. Okay, we dwell in this world. This world is full of Canaanites. Canaan is a place, Canaanites are people. Dwell among Canaanites. And we saw in Zechariah 14 and verse 21. No Canaanite. No Canaanite. Will enter. Every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holiness to the Lord of hosts. Everyone who sacrifices shall come and take them and cook in them. In that day, they shall no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. So Canaanite is somebody we saw is a trafficker of souls and bodies. Later we will see as we go what empowers a Canaanite. We saw also perilous times. Okay, like, like we saw yesterday. A time like never before Jesus warns cannot be the tribulation of the body. That's been there always, still today. From the time Abel was killed by Cain, the tribulation for the man of faith had begun. Okay, he must have bashed his brother's head with a stone, whatever he used. Okay, from that time on. So the tribulation of the body has always been part of the man of faith. So it cannot be that. So the greatest tribulation is a tribulation aimed at the soul, and that is the deception of the soul. I'm not worried about this disease. I believe behind this entire COVID-19 is a bigger deception which the world is not even aware of. A bigger deception. And even leaders and big people have probably have no clue what is the deception behind all of this. All of this. No? What is a deception? And we have to pray strategically that the deception is exposed and the people, the deceivers are exposed and nations and people 
are free and system can function again. We also from saw from Paul's letter to Timothy in the last days there shall be perilous times and we saw it is also connected with a doctrine that legitimizes a kind of lifestyle. It begins with love of self. Okay. Primary sign, please understand this, primary sign of salvation is God gives us the power to become the sons of God. Why do we need power to become the sons of God? Why do I need power? If you turn to Second Peter chapter three, chapter one, verses three and four, we know very, but again, his divine power, okay, we need power. His divine power has given. It's all, God always speaks in that terms, in that tense. It's already given. It's ours to believe, exercise faith, and to see that happens in our life. It's already given us. Given to us all the things that pertain to this life. Okay, this life. Keep it simple. And godliness. And it comes through the knowledge of him. That is why we need to worship him, love him with all our mind. Who called us by glory and virtue. By his glory and by his virtue he called us. And so that we can have this power, access this power and use this power, live by that power. He has given us exceedingly great and precious promises. Unbelievably great precious promises. That through these, uh, now what is the effect of it? We become partakers of the divine nature, the very nature of God. Okay, one side we partake of the divine nature of God. But how do I experience it in this life, in this world? You escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. The world partakes of the demonic power, becomes part of the corruption in the world, and they go to that because of lust. Because of lust. Let me see where I wrote it down. Okay, this is how I <clears throat> put it across. The devil has, see, the devil is a imitator. One of the presumptions is the devil was in charge of one third of the angelic realm before the fall. So he took one third. He was the head. And the structure that he had was the structure which God had. God has got structure and order in his kingdom, everything. So he had that structure. So he probably went and deceived all of them and turned them with him and against God. So when he fell, he used that same structure, which was always there. That's why you have principalities, powers, rulers, and all that. This government structure comes from God. So God has his structure. The devil has his structure. Man has this structure. And because man has this structure, you need to realize how well the government is able to keep people, everybody in home. And yet meet the needs. Because the structure is there. A government structure is there for each area, each department. The government has a structure for law and order. They have the police. For the other thing, they have GMC, MC. Different, 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 different people have been, you know. Immediately the structure comes into place. If you don't have a structure, then what you have is disorder. So there is God's government and the basic unit of God's government is the family. That's why there should be government in the family and there should be structure. And you cannot have two heads in a family which creates confusion. Like every government has one head. Prime Minister Modi says something, it peters down. CM, KCR says something, it peters down. If there were two CMs and they disagreed, there would have been confusion in this state. 
confusion in the state. So there is government structure, and in the same way, we also have to decide who is uh, who is who is going to run the structure. Is it the flesh or is it the spirit? The problem is there are two heads here. Two heads here, the old man and the new man. And the battle is over there. And whoever wins, wins that day. So, this is how I wrote it works. You have God, the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. You have the unholy trinity. When you read the book of Revelation, you see the unholy trinity. The power is the power of the Holy Spirit that rules God's affairs. He uses his, the third person of the Trinity, the power. The power the enemy uses to control and to rule is witchcraft. On this side, it is the power of the Holy Spirit. That side, we call it witchcraft. God's kingdom, the motivation behind is love. Enemy's kingdom, the motivation behind what motivates is lust. In God's kingdom, how we appropriate everything is through faith. In the enemy's kingdom, how you appropriate everything is through sight. That's how it works. Okay, that's how the, it is. So God has saying that, please understand this very, very clearly. That even as you do all these things, see that you are escaping the corruption that is in the world by partaking of his divine nature, and when you are on the other side, that you are motivated by love and not by lust. By love and And they are very similar. <laughs> lust can be very powerful, because it's, it, is, it is what you call it, it's got a short lifetime. It is based on sight. So, because man basically walks around in sight, love, can, lust can be more powerful than lust. So we have to escape continuously that corruption, flesh, lust, world, corruption, destruction. That's how it is. So if you look at Romans chapter 8, verse 19 onwards, you can see this is what happened with the fall. When man fell, a lot of stuff fell along with him. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons. The whole of creation was messed up. Corruption came in because of Satan's lust, man's lust. Corruption came in. And they are waiting for the sons of God. Neither their redemption is connected with our redemption. The day our redemption takes place in eternal terms, God has a new heavens and a new earth. So they are waiting for that, but they are waiting for us. God says, all of you have to wait. The entire Old Testament saints and everybody who died in faith has to wait until God's time, the last saint has made it. Then God says, immortal mortal becomes immortal. So everybody. And creation was subjected to futility, meaning hopelessness. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. He subjected it. Until that day, he says, you all have to wait. There's no rushing. Okay, because creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of the corruption. There been, corruption has been set into motion. So you, what you see, everything that, even this COVID-19, everything that is happening is it's going from bad to worse because corruption has set in. That's what we know with anything that is going bad. But it is waiting for the day for the glorious liberty of the children of God. 
For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. They are waiting, all of creation, waiting for that day when the new creation begins, the new heavens and the new earth. And it says in the next verse, Not only that, we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. It's a sign. We don't like this body. We shouldn't like this body. Because this body is connected with the world. Both are set in corruption. Both are on the way out. So we will see corruption and lust goes together. So please understand this difference. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 13, that motivation, the greatest of these three is love. An entire world's, Satan's world, is motivated by lust. But it fakes lust as love. Okay, it's love. The Canaanite is empowered by lust. That's why he's a trafficker of bodies and souls. The church is motivated and empowered by love. The difference is lust takes, love gives. Primarily. Love takes also. It has to take, otherwise it cannot. But it is more blessed to give than to take. But lust takes. Even when the devil gives, he gives to take everything. He will give you temporarily so that he can take your soul. Okay? That's why we saw in Revelation 80. Okay, and it's a picture of it. Let's read that so that we see the picture of how Babylon, Canaan, Egypt, all these symbolic nations the enemy system, verses 10 onwards, Revelation 18, verse 10 onwards. Standing at a distance for, for fear of a torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon, the mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over, for no one will buy their merchandise anymore. That's the global system comes down. And if you look at it, it's, you see, how lust fakes. Lust will cover everything so beautifully, but at the core of it is lust. It is not love. Gold, silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, marble, cinnamon, incense, fragrant oil, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, chariots. And this is how it covers it. But the core of it is, it is selling the bodies and the souls of men. Bodies and souls of men. Okay, that's how this whole spectrum is to feed our lust. But the trafficking is in bodies and souls. So we have to understand when God speaks to us through the picture in Abraham. No Canaanite will enter into my house. No Canaanite will be the bride of my son. So we will look at, so that I explain to you, so that uh, mothers, if your little children are there, you can keep them away for a few minutes, occupy them, because they need, don't need to know this. Genesis chapter 20, verses 20 on, 9, sorry, not 29, verses 20 onwards. 
this is the new life after Noah. Okay? 9 verse 20 onwards. Genesis 9 verse 20 onwards. So all the days of Noah were 950 years. No, no, no. 20 on, 20 onwards. Okay, 20 onwards. This is Noah coming out of the ark. So Noah began to be a farmer and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. His fall begins. Okay. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. And Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders and went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away and they did not see their father's nakedness. Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. And he said, Curse be Canaan. A servant of servants he shall be to his brethren. Then he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and may me dwell in the Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. It's a very strange, weird stuff that happens over there. The whole thing is that, why would he curse a grandson? And the grandson is not even there. It's a prophetic curse. After. This is the youngest of Ham's sons. This is the origin of Canaan. Understand that. This is the origin of Canaan who will one day Abraham say, you will not pick a bride for me among the Canaanites. In Genesis chapter 10 and verse 6, we see later, Ham will have four sons. The sons of Ham were Cush, Mizraim. Mizraim is Egypt, by the way, okay? Mizraim. Misra desi unko lekar agaya. Mizraim is from where you get Egypt, Mizraim. In all our languages, Israel is called Mizraim. Put and Canaan. The younger son is. Strange thing happens over there. Now let us go and try to see what is happening here, okay? We're getting into a very delicate subject. Again, let's go to 9, 21 and 22. He drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Something, two lines only is over there and the entire narrative changes, whole kind of stuff happens. We go to Leviticus 18 now. And verse 8. Leviticus 18, verse 8. The nakedness of your father's wife you shall not uncover. It is your father's nakedness. Now we are understanding further what it means to uncover your father's nakedness. Okay? Noah and his wife, his mother, both were drunk probably. Then, let us go. It's a very controversial area, so I'm not putting this as doctrine. I'm putting this as a presumption. We don't need this doctrinal stuff, but you understand what is happening. Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 18. 20 verse 18. If a man lies with... Are you sure it's 2018? Second. Eleven. 
yeah 11 not 18 11 11 20 11 got it a man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness both of them shall be surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Okay, this comes later in the law. So here you have Noah and his mother drunk, naked. Ham comes in, is empowered by lust. He has incest, he has sex with his mother. Noah realizes what happened. And he curses that child cursed is Canaan. That's why he doesn't, he's not cursing Ham. He's cursing that progeny. Cursed is Canaan. Okay. Otherwise you should always ask, why would you want to curse Canaan when this guy just saw you, saw you are naked? It has to be something bigger than this. Something much bigger than this that an entire set of people are going to be cursed. Okay, this is how the enemy works. Cursed is Canaan. Later, if you go study your Genesis account and see who all are comes out of Canaan, you will see these are the same people God will say, you must destroy, he tells Moses, when you enter into Canaan. These are the descendants of... So, the iniquity that is passed into Canaan is lust. His lust is, is, that is his iniquity. Canaan is birthed by lust. Demonic lust. Okay? Demonic lust. Lust brought forth Canaan. So the iniquity of Canaan is lust. So every Canaanite is a trafficker of a body. And souls. So no Canaanite will ever stand in the house of God. And no Canaanite will become the wife of his son. So Abraham is guarding his son from this iniquity. That demonic spirit that empowers the physical. That Isaac will never marry a Canaanite. You getting the picture? Isaac is a type. You have to understand who Isaac is. Isaac is a type. If you go to Galatians 3.16, you will see Isaac is just a type. Now to Abraham and his seed, S capital where the promises made. He does not say and to seeds as many as one to your seed who is Christ. So the promises he received was not about Isaac. It was about Jesus Christ. So the marriage of Isaac has to be completely different because he is a type and the substance is Jesus Christ. So Isaac's wedding, so we don't know about Abraham's wedding. We don't hear about so much about Jacob's weddings or anybody's wedding. But Isaac's wedding is different. Isaac is a type and the real substance is Jesus Christ. So Isaac cannot marry anybody. And Isaac cannot marry a Canaanite because Canaan is empowered. The Canaanite spirit is empowered by lust and Christ is empowered by love. So he has to marry only a girl who is not empowered by lust, is empowered by love. 
So please remember, what is this incredibly precious promises given? What is the purpose that we become partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption that comes through the canonized spirit that is lust? That is lust. This is what we have to be very, 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 very careful. Because Babylon is built on lust. Canaanite spirit continues into Babylon. The final picture is that of Babylon. The kingdom of God is built in love. Love gives, lust takes. And even when Babylon gives, its intention is to take. So it will have all this merchandise. The whole idea is to take. So if you now come to 1 John chapter 2 verse 15 to 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is empowered by the spirit of Canaan, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. And the pride of life is also the lust for recognition. It's a lust. That is what started in heaven. He lusted for God's position. Lusted. Pride is an attitude, but lust is the motivating this thing. So God says, be very, 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 very careful, even within the body of Christ, that the stuff you do is not because of lust, it is because of love. And that's where love is. That is why if you read 1 Corinthians 13, the beginning of it, you can do the most unbelievable, even allow your body to be burned by lust and not love. Can give your entire property for charity out of lust and not love. The most dedicated stuff. Let's go read that. First Corinthians chapter 13. Because you have to read it and realize the power of lust and how it can look so much like love. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but not have love, I have becoming, you are talking about spiritual gifts, becoming sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries, all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but not have love, I am Nothing, because what is empowering me is lust and not love. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, I have not love, it profits me. That's Bill Gates. He'll give his entire fortune, and people will recognize him as one great philanthropist, empowered by something else. It is not for love of mankind. It is empowered by something else because he's on the other side. I'm telling it openly, he's on the other side. He works for the enemy. He doesn't work for Christ. He's behind much of the junk that is happening in this world. He and his organizations. They're empowered by the lust of the enemy to dominate this world and take it away from Christ. All these big guys, all these big guys, nothing of their charity they do is empowered by love. Nothing. It's empowered by lust. The lust of the enemy has got into their souls to dominate and control systems. It profits me nothing. Three verses you have to understand. So people look at all these charitable deeds and don't. What motivates you to do these charitable deeds? What is it behind it? And some of it can be absolutely, totally demonic. Absolutely demonic. So, 
Don't look at outside works. Understand what empowers Canaan. Empowers Canaan. So Babylon is built on that. Jerusalem from above is built on. And Jesus wants us to escape this. It is one thing you have to continuously fight. And he gives us simple, practical ways to fight this. Matthew 6 and verse 1. It is interesting, right? He begins with charitable deeds and not with prayer and fasting. You would put prayer first, right? No, he said giving. He said you have to be very careful about giving. Because giving can be done out of lust and not out of love. Take heed you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise you have no reward from your father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Why do they do it? Why do they do it? Because it's lust. It's empowering them. But when you do a charitable deed, yeah, verse 3, when you do, do not let your left hand know your right hand is doing it. Your charitable deed may be in secret that your father who sees. I mean, why does he keep saying this? Why should you do this in secret? It is not even about receiving the reward from him openly. It is protecting your soul from lust. So you yourself know it. Because when you are doing something secretly, absolutely secretly, and nobody knows about it, if you don't have that love, you will stop it. It cannot propel it. doesn't matter what you do. After you drive your vehicle for a few hundred kilometers, if there is no petrol in it, it will stop. After that, you will be able to push it. And after some times, you will realize you have no more strength to push it. You will leave it there and go. And that's the thing. He said, do secretly. And if it is not love that motivates, it will die a natural death. Let it die. Let it die. Rather go to heaven with salvation, with all your works dead, burnt, than to reach there before the judgment seat and say all your works were empowered by the enemy. You were my child serving the devil. Let it die. You are talking about eternal things. We are not social workers. We are God's servants. We are God's servants. So you have to be very careful about what empowers the stuff, what we do. That's why God says you have to love him with all your mind. Understand how these two realms work. This is not a joke. That is why people like Paul are empowered by love. The love of Christ Jesus constrains me, constrains me, continuously you will see that. A man empowered and moved by love. So God says, do it. And then when he comes to verse 6, he brings that same thing to prayer. This prayer is your intimate relationship with God. Go in and do it secret. And if it is not motivated by love, your prayer also will die a normal death. Let the real prayer come. Wait, don't have to do all these things he says. You remember, prayer can be, there is so much prayer happening in the world, but it is not empowered by God's spirit. It is not empowered by God's spirit. When God's spirit empowers it, you will know it. He will know it. And he says, so. And then he comes to verse 17. He brings into, so when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, and then he says, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in secret place. 
So he takes three fundamental things of any religion. Any religion. Three fundamental. Giving, prayer, fasting. And he says, don't let anybody know. So you will know what is motivating you. This is the fundamental thing of any religion. Why? Because even the most spiritual disciplines can be compromised by the spirit of Canaan or Babylon. That is lust to take and not to give. So, we see the Holy Spirit is willing to travel long distance. The children can come back. Okay, mommies, all the mommies are waiting. The children can come back. So, you will see the Holy Spirit is willing to travel a long distance to search for a pure bride for Isaac or Christ who is like him and is willing to become even more like him. That's why the exceedingly great promises are there in the Bible. She understands them. She uses them to escape and not to partake of the corruption of the world. She partakes of the divine nature of Christ and yet escapes the corruption in the world. She understands. She's a wise woman. So Abraham says, if she's not willing to come with you, you are free of your vow. But my son will not go back. Next time he goes, it's to judge. Next time he goes, he's going to judge. He came, finished his redemption work, he left. Now when he comes a second time, he's not coming to live with his wife. He's come to destroy the earth. Judge, sorry, judge the earth. And I believe before that he takes his wife. So Genesis 24, verse 10, we saw the Holy Spirit is given all that he needs, or Eliezer is given all that he needs to get that bride for Isaac. The power, the possessions, the resources, whatever he needs to get a bride for Isaac. It's a picture of the spiritual leadership of the church. Okay. He takes ten camels and he goes. Ten is the number of God's divine order. Ten. And camel is a beast of burden. Meaning it's a picture of God's servants who will bear the divine burden to bring forth the bride for Christ. That is the burden of the leadership of the church, especially those who are into preaching ministry. That is the burden they bear. We saw that, right? The divine burden. Second Corinthians and we saw may every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So please get this all the pastors who are here listening. But the f- bride he finds will be a bride who is willing to follow the Holy Spirit all the way. It's a long journey. He's come all the way to Mesopotamia. The Holy Spirit has been released all the way to the earth to find and prepare a bride for Jesus Christ. So will we follow all the way? That's where the woman needs discernment. 
Discernment is a spiritual discernment is a huge thing. You have Nabal and you have Abigail. Nabal says every there are a lot of servants who don't listen to their masters. Abigail knows this is the anointed one. Husband and wife. One will be taken, one will be left behind. One has discernment, the other is a fool. One is a child of darkness, the other is a child of light. Both in the same bed. Nabal and Abigail. That's where discernment is. One is a child of darkness. His name is King Saul. The other is a child of light. His name is Jonathan. Saul wants to kill David. Jonathan realizes this is the next anointed one. Takes his robe, takes his girdle, takes his sword and gives to him saying that I come under you. I realize you are the anointed one. I am the heir to the throne. But I give my throne over to you because I recognize the spirit of God is upon you. Father and son. One light, one darkness. One is from the tribe of Benjamin picking up stones and dust and throwing it at David because his name is Shammai. The other is Ittai, the son of light, who says, where you go, I go. You live, I live. You die, I die. And he's a Gittite. Okay. So they're all happening together and you see how important discernment is. That you can be under the same roof and have no discernment while the other one has incredible discernment. And the one who has discernment is willing to go all the way. You turn to First Samuel 25, 41, 42 and then we'll go back to Genesis 24, 11. 25, 41, 42. She arose and bowed her face to the earth and said, Here is your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. That is Abigail. And Abigail rose in haste, rode on a donkey, attended by five of her maidens, and she followed the messengers of David and became his. So she had only five wise virgins with her. She didn't take five foolish ones. She's going to meet her king, that is David, a type of Jesus Christ. Okay, and she she followed his messengers of David. It's a type of Eliezer, and became his wife. She followed all the way. You'll see these pictures playing over and over and again. So when it's come when you look at a wife of Isaac or a wife of what you call David and all, take a look and look at it closely, and you will see pictures emerging how the bride has to be wise, understand discernment. You are first married to the world, which is a fool called Nabal. And now you are going to be married to David, who is a type of Jesus Christ. And you will wash the feet of his servants. And you will go all the way. Because she knows David's messengers have come. And this is the messengers of the king to take you. So we go to Genesis 24 and verse 11. And we will see after his long journey, there is. Sorry, Genesis 24 and verse 11. So he reaches and he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time. Okay? Spiritually, his camels, spiritually, we kneel outside the city. To understand pictures, we do not enter the city first. We wait outside the city and we kneel outside the city. Because we have followed Christ and his reproach and gone outside the city. Outside the city. Okay, so we kneel outside the city, sharing his reproach. One day we will enter the city. 
When we enter the city one day, that is spiritually the day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is king. That will be the end of the age. And scripture says it was evening time. Okay? The time when women go out to draw water. Evening time is the end of the age. The age is ending. When the age is ending, when age is ending, the wise woman will draw out much water. In Isaiah, it talks about the well. Isaiah 12, verse 2 and 3. Behold, God is my salvation, and I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. The amount of water we drew in the beginning of our life and the end of our life should not be the same. We should be drawing more and more and more now because either we are reaching our end or the world is reaching its end. We draw more water. And the Holy Spirit is waiting outside the city by the well. By the well. To see who are the ones who is coming to draw water at eventide. Why eventide? Because why do we draw more water now than any time before? Because in the eventide, at the end of the age, God opens the word like never before. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4. Verse 4, 12, 4. You, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Okay? We have come to the end of time. Time of end is coming. The book is slowly being opened. So, therefore, we understand now things which nobody understood. Not that we are smarter than them. It's only because God opening it up. God is opening. So at a time like this, we should be able to draw more water from the wells of salvation than any time. And there the Holy Spirit, without us realizing at every home, every church, the Holy Spirit is waiting to see who are the ones who are drawing from the wells of my son's salvation. Who is the one who is interested in the word? Because my son is the word. Who is? We think he's looking first at all our works and all. He says, no. I'm looking at who is drinking from the wells of salvation. Who is the woman, the church, that is so interested and excited, overwhelmed by this water of salvation? That's what he's looking at first. That's what we see in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4. We saw that. We go back to 24 and verse 12. Right? Got it? Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. So we have a picture. He waits outside the city. It is evening time. He is waiting for the women of the city to come. Who is the one who is coming? And the first thing the Holy Spirit teaches us is he prays. He prays. And he brings back what I spoke in the Hindi message. 
the primacy of prayer in a believer's life. He prays. Please understand this. Everybody prays. But prayer is not primarily asking the things that we need from God. That everybody prays. Twice we saw Jesus mentions in the space of few verses, your father already knows what you need. Your father already knows what you need before you ask. So true prayer is entirely qualified with that if you look at Matthew chapter 6. Got it? Yeah. Verse 9 and 10. This manner you should therefore pray, our Father in heaven. Okay? Our Father, hallowed be thy name. I'm not getting into that Hindi message, but it all begins with that. When we saw it with Joseph, it all begins with his Father's name. But for those who don't understand Hindi, let me explain to you. Unlike unlike us, unlike like he is Vijay, that means he is victory. I am supposedly Santosh, that means to be happy. Okay, but these are just names. But in Hebrew, in the Semitic culture, a name is what you are. You are. So Abraham, exalted father to Abraham, has to become the father of nations. Father of nations. So when Rachel is dying, she will not name her second son as Benoni, son of my sorrow, and Jacob will turn it around and make it Benjamin, the son of my right hand. Okay? So, what is God's name? How do you go give God a name? So, that's God said, I am that I am. But we have many I ams in the Bible. I ams in the Bible. And there are some which we like, some we are not so much interested in, Okay, so it's okay. We need to like all those names. But God says, this is how you should pray. Hallowed be your name. And we looked at the name right now. Everybody is calling on one name. That is Jehovah Rapha. Everybody likes Jehovah Rapha, which means, my God, my... Okay, that's calling upon his name. What about hallowing that name? That's That's the primary question. Do we hallow his name when it comes to health? Because it's a health crisis. A crisis that is being caused not by COVID-19, but the panic is caused by people who do not eat well or exercise properly. They are the ones who is locking down everybody if you eat well and you are healthy. Right? Not all of them, but most of the patients who are ill or have died, died of health issues. COVID-19 only aggravated it. And they died. And why do those health issues primarily come? It's because of your eating. Like I said it in Hindi. In the same chapter 11, you blame the bat and want to stone China. What about the pig you eat? That comes before the bat. The bat is only at the end of it. One bat is there. Everybody highlighted it and said Wuhan bat. But everybody is eating pig all the time. Bat is not the major industry in the world. It is the pig. Pork is a big industry. Okay. Both are in the same chapter in the space of few lines, right? 
the pig, the shrimp, the ones without scales and fins. Everything is very clear. Why do we pick on China alone and don't pick on ourselves? Because we are more worried about the disease than the deception in which we are caught. We are worried about the deception. We always want to pin the blame on disease and who brought the disease. He said, you did. You have been deceived. That's what I said. Deception is more dangerous than the disease. Because deception is the deception of the soul. So God says, do you hallow my name in this? Do you hallow my name, Jehovah Shalom? Do you hallow my name in peace? Do you pursue peace? I said the God of peace shall crush Satan under your feet. I give you power over all the power of the enemy. But how do you exercise it when you pursue peace? Do you pursue peace? Or do you pursue conflict? Do you hallow my name? My name is Jehovah Shalom. Do you? Do you? He says. Do you hallow? Do you ha- I'm not asking, the calling upon the name of God. He's, I, I say, he's, you know, that's not what the prayer is. The prayer is hallowed be your name. And then you go through the, and one day Pastor Vijay said he will teach the names of God. He's good in Hebrew, so let him teach that. You know? Okay? The names of God. Then we, then we realize, you know what? I have no understanding. I don't love you with all my mind. Because I don't even know what your names mean. Oh, we love Jaira. What does Jaira mean? The God who provides. The God who gives. But do you hallow my name? So you hallow my name when you understand you are a giver. That is when you hallow my name. It's more blessed to give than to receive. You call upon Jehovah Jaira to receive. That is calling upon the name. It's not hallowing that name. You hallow that name when you become a giver. That is when that name is hallowed in my name. You are a giver. If you look at Paul's last verses also in Timothy, is that my whole life is being poured as a living sacrifice. He's a giver. A hallowing Christ in his name. That's what God is talking about. The amount of time people waste. One commodity can say, okay, you can say, I don't have money, I don't have things. Okay, well, everybody has time. And God says, do you hallow my name? And you pick any name of God. And then you suddenly realize, you know, I don't want to know too many of his names. <laughs> I don't want to know too many of his names. This is what he's talking about. He says, prayer changes your life. This is not a mantra. For this has become the Christian mantra. And we mock Hindus by standing there and doing their mantra. I mean, they are poor people. They don't understand what they are doing. But what about Christians? He says, you do this mantra every Sunday, every church you I know of. They all pray this prayer. And they think it brings some miraculous cure. But it says, do you hallow my name? And that's the name we got when we got baptized. We were baptized into his name. Into his name. And that's what, like in Potiphar looked at Joseph working and he said, yeah, his God is with him. In our terms, no. remember when David came victorious, Saul asked and said, whose son is this? Is it 
इस लड़का तो अजीब है फादर राइट गॉड से इस वेन दे सी यू वर्क एट योर ऑफिस डू दे आस खुशाना यू कुछ नहीं That's why I always told him I got double for my trouble from my father. And he was asking, "Why do you beat me like that?" Because you are my son. The other fellow doing something and you doing something is a difference. The other fellow doing it's a disciplinary issue. You doing it's a it hits my name. They don't say the student did it. They will always say the principal's son did it. So I got double for my for every trouble. One as the principal and later as the father. I got it at school and at home also. That was the principle. I thought it was over. Home, another one from the father also. Hmm? So, do you understand? God is saying, "Hallowed be thy name." The Holy Spirit prays. You know what He is praying, or Eliezer is praying. God of my master Abraham, let the girl that comes fit in with the name of my master and his son. You know that Khandan. You know that character. You know that life. This girl has to match there. You know what kind of a master he is. So he has been there with Abraham. Oh, probably he also came from. He's a Syrian, if I'm right, right? From Eliezer, a Syrian. So he's a Syrian. He's a Syrian, but he has understood uh, from Damascus. Eliezer from Damascus. You will see in Genesis 15. Okay, he has seen the testimony of Abraham all this years, and one thing he has understood about Abraham and Isaac is they are givers. They are givers. See, seen it all. He probably saw it all, including. Abraham, that day he must have also gone for the battle to rescue Lot, to give his life to save a nephew like that. He said, "This man is a giver," and he says, "Any girl who fits Isaac has to be a giver." That's why he puts that test over there. The test is about will she give, and is her giving enduring giving or just a flash in the pan? It's not that a girl will come. First girl who comes. So first girl who comes. Not the second girl or the third girl. The first girl who comes, meaning she is zealous about her duties, zealous about coming to church on time, zealous about being sitting in the front to hear the word of God, zealous about these things. We don't realize these little things. God notices and He watches. Zealous about this, enduring. So we'll see further. <clears throat> so that's what God is talking about. True prayer, everything is connected there. Everything. True prayer is hallowing the name of the Father. True prayer is about His kingdom coming, and the kingdom cannot come outside me first. The kingdom has to come in you and me first. Thy kingdom come where? As it comes from heaven, it has to go through me into earth. When I am praying, I am the closest to heaven on earth because I am the one who is praying. You will be done first in me and not in others. So your name, your kingdom, your will—this is the sum total of prayer. And everything else you ask is connected with that. Like it's the soldier who goes into war; his rations are provided by the army. He never worries about it. He only worries about his daily rations. It's called daily rations. Give us this day our daily bread. That's all I'm asking. I surrendered. You give me another day. I don't know about tomorrow. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. 
you have given me today. So I thank you for your mercies which are new every day. I need the grace for today. What I need for today, I am trusting and believing you will give. And priorities in the prayer are according to the kingdom of God. Forgive us our trespasses. We realize in heaven, it's full of forgiveness. Hell is full of unforgiveness. And I need to keep heaven's priorities straight up. If I belong to heaven, I need to have the atmosphere of heaven in my life. I walk in forgiveness. If I don't have forgiveness, then I'm walking in the atmosphere of hell. Hell is full of unforgiveness and bitterness and anger and gnashing of teeth and jealousy and envy and all that. You can beat all these things, envy, jealousy, all this can be beaten in one slice with forgiveness. That is the main medicine. You need to realize you want one pill cures all is forgiveness. Even if Cain thinks that Abel was showing off, I love you brother, I forgive you. Finished. Even if the this thing, you okay, came jealous of him, why did he get it? Maybe you're just trying to show off he's better than me. But you know what? I forgive you. You are free. Father, forgive. That's verse 11, no? Father, forgive. Forgive. Give us this day our daily. And verse 12, forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive. As we forgive, Lord. Walking in forgiveness. Constantly walking, walking, walking. Right? That is the throne room of heaven. Every day, throne room of heaven. Tons and tons and tons of mercy is flowing. Come boldly, confidently to the throne room of grace and receive what? Mercy. Very few people ask for grace. Everybody is going and asking for mercy. And mercy is what is flowing. No grace is available. Nobody is asking for grace. Take, take mercy, go fall again. Come back for mercy, go fall again. Come back for mercy. What river of mercy is flowing. God says, I wish somebody would be smart enough and ask for grace so that I don't have to waste all this mercy on you. Can you come to me as an overcomer and ask for more grace? But anyway, mercy. So scripture says, his mercies are new every morning. That's forgiveness. And the next one, how prayer changes our life. We're just looking at short, short things. Lord, lead us not in temptation. Basically meaning, Lord, deliver me from that temptation. Temptation is coming. Temptation comes every day. That is where you cut it off. I thought, no, I said, no, every thought, if you cut it off at the temptation level, you cut it off at the temptation level, you're successful. Moves from temptation to step two to step three, it becomes more and more. One, it is full grown, it brings death. But at the temptation, you can't avoid it, okay? A woman is sleeping, sorry, a woman is bathing outside, okay? You are restless, you looked. And... Okay, first look. Okay, shouldn't have looked. Okay, walked away. It's gone. I know. David Wilkerson, Karkal call line. Somebody preached years back. I still remembered. He said, he, when he saw that, he should have said, call my chariot. See, we all remember those lines very clearly. <laughs> call the chariot. Let me go to war. Because at a time when kings go to war, David was at. And you have to read the end tired this thing the war is going on war is going on war is going on why is God nobody's winning it's a siege you know when they will win when the entire sin has been repented of and put right then they will go and they will win the war the entire battle has been stopped you will fight you will not win until the king repents 
the ark will stay there, the soldiers will stay there, Uriah will die there, you will wait there until this man, I put him right. When he puts him right, you will win the war. God is not interested in war. God is interested in the salvation of a soul. This is my man. He represents my son. My son is going to sit on his throne and I need to get him right. You are worried about that war over there. I am not worried. You are worried about COVID-19. He said, I am worried about your repentance. You are worried about the disease affecting your body. I am worried about the deception in your souls. Kingdom priorities. Do not lead us into temptation. Cut it off, Lord, 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 Lord. Help me at stage one. Before it becomes terminal, Lord, help me to diagnose it. This is temptation. I need to flee. Deliver us from the power of the evil one. Let him not. He is only when you temptation. It's not. Jesus was tempted at all points. You give into temptation, the evil one's power comes in. He moves in. Deliver me. And he says, you can do it. I'm ending it with a proclamation. All things are possible with you for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. When I come through it, it is the power of your kingdom. And when I come through it, it's the glory is yours. I know it is you and the glory belongs to you. And you see people like Daniel and Joseph and all, every time they are, they begin with God. They know they are successful and they know success is from God and they give the glory to God. Always. They know it very well. They're kingdom people. They're walking in the kingdom. Temptation is assaulting them left, right, center from positions which is impossible even to say no because these are your, not your boss, your owners. They own you. They bought your body. They think they own your soul too. They don't own their souls. So prayer is primarily dying to self. And asking God to live. God to live. So that's why Romans 8 puts everything into perspective. Anyone man is in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. The mind that is hostile to God, the mind that is pleasing to God, that is verse 6, 8, 6, you will see about the mind saying, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is this is interesting, right? Spiritually minded is life. Because God is your life. I am the way, the truth and the life. Spiritually minded is life. God says, do you realize you experience life in your mind? Which is true. We experience life in our mind. Just in the mind. Experience. And he says, you have to understand this. Spiritually minded is life and peace. The problem with the life the devil offers to the world is also in the mind and after that it's a hangover. Not peace. It's guilt and peacelessness in the mind. Everything starts in the mind. You, like David looked, he saw and he didn't stop there. He sent his soldiers, asked who it is, found out it's Uriah's wife, still called her. And then after that, it was life was being lived in the mind and then lived out in the body. And after that, there is no peace. And the world told you that was life. The world told you that was life. But there is no peace. There is no peace. God says, life is lived out in the mind too. But you can know the difference between my life and the life that the world offers. There is peace. There are no EMIs. There is peace. 
There is peace. And even it is God told you and it is God given EMIs, there is still peace because you know the money for the EMIs will come because I know he told me to take it. I am not against loans or any of these things as long as it is God who told you. Then the EMIs, he will give you also. You don't have to worry about it. It will come through. It will come through. Okay. So you look at the Lord's Prayer, it is just a simple spiritual format. A simple spiritual format. And you look at it and you see the power. How do I beat this canonized spirit? And you see if you come to this thing, talks about the mind. And then you talk about words 14 and 16. You experience what? The fatherhood of God. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And we experience the father, the spirit is leading us. And then you come to verse 26 onwards. It brings you dynamics of prayer over there. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Okay? For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. We don't know how to pray actually. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings. Which you see, these are the places when we come to very righteous, godly uh, pastors who don't believe in the baptism of infilling of the Holy Spirit. When these things comes, their explanations are so completely different from real experience. Makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So your body has become now the vehicle of God's prayer. Not godly prayer. God's prayer. There's a difference between godly prayer, which is very good, and God's prayer. Your body has become the vehicle of God's prayer and not just godly. When you pray with understanding, your body has become the vehicle of godly prayer. When you pray in the spirit, your body has become the vehicle of God's prayer. So Paul says, I pray with understanding and I pray with the spirit. Both. You come to verse 27. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So when you pray in the spirit, you are praying according to the will of God, which you may not even know, but you are still praying. And then things start changing and things start happening in your life. But that is according to the will of God. And you didn't, I didn't ask for it, but God said, I did through you. You didn't ask for it, but I did. You surrendered your body in prayer and I prayed through you and asked for these things because this is the will of the Father for you. Will of Father for you. So sometimes when we pray in the Spirit, we shouldn't be surprised by certain things that happens which was not according to our prayer of understanding. It was our lips it was our heart, it was our spirit, but not our mind. He went over our mind and asked according to the will of God, because that's where the Bible says, offer yourself as a body, as a living sacrifice. Once we did it, then don't complain. Don't complain. Okay? Then only verse 28 has meaning. Otherwise, verse 28 doesn't have meaning. See, we, we pick up isolated verses and make a dogma out of it. What does verse 28 says? And we know, huh, and there's and over there. And we don't say, we, when we quote it, we never say and. We say we know. <laughs> we never say and. We say we know. 
It's a whole difference about and we know. When they say and, then that means there was something before that. What is that? This John 8, 1 onwards, this procedure is there and the Spirit of God is praying through us with groans that art cannot be uttered. He is praying according to the will of the Father and we know. All things work together for the good of those who love Christ Jesus and call according to everything. The terrible, the big, God, the ugly, everything. It will all work for my good. So Joseph is able to say, you meant it for evil, but God sent. And God sent you, me, me before. He never saying you sold me, how much better, what happened with the money, where did you invest it? He never asked any of these questions. He says, God sent me before you. Now, what kind of a man should be able to look at the ten people who sold him and says, you know what, God sent me before you. But aren't you the guys who sold me? Because he's able to see everything. Everything now. Okay, because he had surrendered. It's a type of Isaac who surrendered on the altar. Joseph is a type who surrendered him to the will of God to use his body for his purpose. We want God to use us to reign. But he says, will you offer your bodies before that to prepare for reigning? And that's what happens over there. So no man will understand really the depths of this prayer. What is prayer life? The depths of it. And we see that in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7. We see Eliezer pray outside the well. Because they, I mean, think about this old man. He's an old man. Okay, he's an old man with his servants, with the camels. A long trip all the way to Mesopotamia. Those days, very long, difficult, dangerous trip he makes. And he can't go wrong. You can't get a girl and go back there. Right? This is the wrong girl. I have to take her back. You can't go wrong in this. We will say, we will say, Oh, Buddha ne kya kaam diya mere over? I haven't put it to a trap. Imagine, Abraham trusts Eliezer, finding the right wife for Isaac. Reaching, okay, everything. Okay, so he understands. That also, for me, that also means Eliezer was with him from the days of Haran. <coughs> okay. From the days of Haran, he knows where to go, everything, or maybe, we do not, we presume. The possibility is that he knew. And it's a very delicate situation he is in. But he's trusting this God, because he's listening. What did Abraham say? The messenger of my God, angel of God will say, then let me kneel down and say, the angel brought us thus far. We are safe. Everybody is here. The camels are fine. Servants are fine. Everything is fine. Now let me kneel. We reach the location. This is Haran. Let me pray. So scripture says over there, in the days of his flesh, Jesus Christ, when he had offered a prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him. So who was praying through him? Who was praying through him? The Holy Spirit was praying through him. So he set a pattern. And for all those who are led by the Spirit, the same pattern, he says, Holy Spirit will pray through you the way he prayed through my son. So these are all spiritual people. Abraham is a very spiritual man. Elias is a very spiritual man. Isaac, when Rebecca reaches, is out there at Beer Roy meditating. All spiritual people. Very spiritual family. And it's a very spiritual family. God-centric family in this entire world covered with darkness. Once God-centered family and one God-centered servant. Family. Whole household, God-centric. And that's all God is saying. If this is the way Jesus cried, prayed, this is the way you also can pray. Okay, only his prayer is different. Our prayer is also 
different. But there is a similarity. What is his prayer? He is praying to him to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. He is praying because wages of sin is death. <clears throat> so death comes from sinning. Unlike us, he cannot afford to sin in absolutely no way. So scripture says he was tempted at all points and did not sin. Did not sin. So why, he, why did he not sin? Because of his prayer life. We see one thing, that's the result, but we don't see the process he went through every day. Why did he not sin? Because of the way he prayed. And his prayer was answered. And he was heard because of his godly fear. We want to be saved from sin without praying. His son was saved from sinning by praying. By praying. So, his life is different because he was the atonement for sin. But that doesn't mean the prayer has changed. We still pray like him, Lord, save me from sin. Save me from sin. We are not saying save me from death. We are praying, he has saved me from death. Now save me from sin. And that's the prayer. Lord, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the power of the evil one. But it's not a mechanical prayer. This is the way he prayed that prayer. <laughs> That format, he is giving them as a format, a formula he is giving them. But this is how he practiced that prayer in his life. Understood? And he never disturbed anybody. When he said, go to a secret place and prayer, even when he is sleeping with all his disciples, he gets up quietly, opens the door quietly. It's very dark. Nobody knows he has left. He goes, finds a very deserted place, no houses around, and then he prays. Later they all wake up and huh, they wake up because the crowds have come. They look at the crowds and oh, where is he? Oh, he's gone to pray. Let us look. Deserted place anywhere. We know where he will be. He preaches one thing and he practices exactly the same thing. And then the writer of Hebrews. We don't know who the writer of Hebrews. The confusion is how the book of Hebrews ends. The greetings is also sent by our brother Timothy. So that is a confusion. It had been son Timothy, I would have told it is Paul. But he says brother Timothy <laughs> At the end, it looks like Paul, but, or could be Apollos, no, we don't know, but Apollos is a Greek fellow to give all this Hebrew dedication, this is entirely a Jewish letter, and Apollos is not a Jewish scholar, he's a Jew, oh, Apollos is a Jew, okay, okay, uh, because Apollos is the name of a Greek god, that's why. Okay, that is okay. So I was looking at Apollos as he's a the Greek god for medicine, right? Yeah, the snake thing and that fellow, this thing. Yeah, he's that fellow. That's what even medical signs have been taken over by them. <laughs> okay, so put a sticker over that, put a cross over there. Okay, cross over the snake. Okay, so you look at it. This is how he prays, and he practices it, and he's just telling us. Okay, can we slowly start changing our prayer life? Because that's where your victory comes. My son's victory came through this. Eliezer is praying. Abraham is praying. Isaac is praying. And he says, you see, through the Bible, these people are all praying people. And they did not have the kind of promises you have. <laughs> no? What a prayer. What a prayer life, no? What a prayer life. Everything. Everything. Okay. None of us will ever experience the agony 
he went through in his prayer life, even at the Garden of Gethsemane, the agony he's going through. And he's praying, take this cup away from me. He's literally sweating blood. And this is why the writer of Hebrews will say, in your battle against sin, you have not come to the shedding of blood. He says, it's expected of you too. Master laid a path. Servant will also follow the path. He was shedding blood at the end of his life because the tension was too much. The entire force is upon him to let the cup bypass. He's actually asking, Father, is there another way? The father says, this is the way. Father, is there another way? You are, you, all things are possible with you. Can you have another way? Father says, this is the way. Again, goes and says, Father, is there under, under the tension, his will, and the father's will, his, his blood vessels are popping. The tension of prayer. Literally, blood vessels are popping and he's starting to, blood is coming out. Okay? And he says, have you gone through that? He will also one day have to go through that in this path. You want to become a bride. But he says, there is a path for it. If it comes to that, will you also come? In your battle, like his battle was against sin. He was not battling flesh and blood. His battle is battling sin. Because to step out of the will of the Father, out of faith, is sin. He knows that. And he's battling sin and shedding blood. And Hebrews 12, 4 says, in your battle against sin, you should be willing to come to the point of shedding blood. The other one, not loving your lives unto death, is your battle against the enemy. That's one thing. That's a different thing, being a martyr. This is your battle against sin. One thing is battle against Satan. The other is battle against sin. In both, you are asked to shed blood. Demands of the cross. Okay. So the bride is actually crying out, Lord, make me fit for Christ. Make me fit for Christ. Make me fit for this man. That is the cry. Make me fit for this man. The cry of the bride. So the Holy Spirit is the spirit of prayer. So God says. Because it's interesting, through it all, narrative, you don't see the men accompanying Eliezer being anywhere there. But I believe they are also praying. Eliezer is praying. Then we are praying. The Holy Spirit is praying through us. Then we are praying. Okay. So please remember the entire motivation. Please remember motivation. What is our motivation? I told you. Even in his prayer life, Eliezer is giving and not taking. Lord, I should not go wrong in this. My master desires something. Let it be according to my master's desire. It is to serve and not to give. Sorry, uh, not to take. The whole thing, the whole thing is based on that. whole thing. Because Abraham is a giver, Isaac is a giver, Eliezer is a giver. What will be Rebecca? Let's go further. Genesis. Behold, here I stand by the well of the water and the daughters of men of the city are coming out to draw water. And what does he say? Let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink. And I will also give your camels a drink. And let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know you have shown kindness to my master. The test is this. 
I will ask her for a drink of water. And she will say, I will give you water for you and your entire company, including the camels. To give. If I were to tell Apu, uh, make me breakfast. It's one thing. If I tell Apu, Apu, make us breakfast. The demands are not the same. It's different. Two demand Okay, and imagine if there are ten camels, there are ten servants, minimum. So it is eleven men, and no, Eliezer has probably no. Eliezer probably has son. He took ten camels, so he also also is their eleventh camel. He is taking ten, or let us say ten camels, ten men, and she's going to draw. And a camel can drink you out of the house. Okay. So the test is not about water first. The test is about the size of your heart. How much will you give? How much will you give? How long can you give? Endurance, remember, how long can you give? Okay, the test is not about that. Okay. okay. We'll come that to the end. Now let us go and take a look at what kind of bride is Jesus looking at. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 18. Now we look at the, at the bride. We are not looking at Rebecca now. Because Rebecca we look but, yeah, ten eight. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out the demons. What are you? Freely you have received, freely you have to give. So God is talking about that. It's nothing. One of the nature of the bride of Christ is, she gives freely. Because she also knows how to receive. She knows everything she has received is by the mercy and the grace of God. She knows she did not earn it. The bride knows she did not earn it. Okay. Then we'll come to Matthew, I think, 10 verse 18. Let me take a look. What is 10, 18? 16, 16, not 18. Verse 16. 10, 16. Behold, I sent you out. She's sending us out. Sheep in the midst of wolves. The bride has to be very careful. How does the, how is the wife? Because these are all characteristics of the bride. She gives freely. And the first test he puts over there. What is the test? I will ask for water. She will say, I'll give the whole company water. Second thing Jesus says over there, I'm sending you out. That is the church, the bride. How are they? Sheep. In the midst of the wolves. You may be living among the wolves, but you have to be like sheep. Yet I don't expect you to be a fool. We are foolish for Christ's sakes. Foolish in the eyes of the world. That doesn't mean we are fools. We are not fools. You have to be wise as the serpent. And we know the serpent. When it's talking about wise as the serpent, it's talking about the serpent before he fell. He still retains that wisdom. 
but perverted it. Ezekiel 28 and verse 12. Why is this a serpent? Okay. Thus says the Lord God, you are the seal of perfection and full of wisdom. Full of wisdom. That's how he was created. But for us, the church, it's greater than that. We are the wisdom of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, so if you go back to Matthew 10, verse 16. There are certain things asked of the bride. So Elias of the Holy Spirit is kneeling there. He has prayed a prayer and he's looking for the bride for Isaac. So we have to realize the Holy Spirit is not looking for a bride for Isaac. He's looking for a bride for Christ. So she has to be a girl who gives a church that gives freely or an individual in the church. Every church is composed of individuals. Just because two people have met the criteria, that doesn't mean the 20 of them will be taken. No. So, when you're talking about the church, it's also talking about the individual. Therefore, be wise as a serpent. The wisdom, the wisdom of the serpent, meaning the wisdom of Christ. Okay? Full of wisdom. We need to be wise. And be wise like that fellow also. Because you need to realize, you need to know the devices of the enemy. And have the wisdom of Christ. Have the wisdom of Christ. Understand the cunningness and the devices. That's why we need to know our enemy and we need to know our God. We need to know both. We have to understand how to be innocent of evil. But don't be ignorant of evil. Be innocent of evil. Do not be ignorant of evil. And yet harmless has doves. So sheep, doves, imagery, God uses. What is a bride? A bride is a dove. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 14, and 5 and 2. Song of Solomon is basically a song between Christ and the church. Cannot be Solomon, because Solomon had too many churches. <laughs> too many denominations over there. <laughs> okay. And some illegitimate also, called concubines, who became later porcupines. Okay. <laughs> 2.14 Oh my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet. Your face is lovely. So that dove is, is the church. My dove in the cleft of the rock. You know, he is the rock of ages that was cleft for us. Just you, just two to show that the church is called a dove. Five two. Sleep, I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved. He knocks saying, open my, me for my sister, my love, my dove. Only Christ can call his wife sister. Okay. Open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. What does he call his church? My dove and my perfect one. Okay. So the church is a dove. Be harmless as doves. Now we go to Leviticus chapter 1. The main purpose of the dove in the temple was simply one thing, sacrifice. Yes, 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 yes. The purpose of the dove in the temple was sacrifice. Chapter 1, verses 14 to 17. Yeah, 
If the burnt sacrifice of all his offerings to the Lord is of birds, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or young pigeons. The priest shall bring it to the altar, ring off its head and burn it on the altar. Unlike the bull and the other animals I could kill, the dove I could not kill. Only the priest kills. Only the priest kills. I offer myself as a living sacrifice on the altar. He kills me. I don't kill. He kills me. Unlike the dove. The animal I am bringing it as an offering. I kill the bull. I cut it and then the priest takes it. Not the dove. Not the dove. The priest does. Unlike the other offerings which are cut into pieces, the dove is not cut into pieces. Song of Solomon chapter 6 verse 9. My dove, my perfect one, is the only one. She's one. She's one. She's not cut into pieces. Dove is not cut into pieces. Okay, now go back. Leviticus 1, 14 to 17. What is that? Yeah, uh, verse uh, 14. Yeah, what he said? What will he do? The priest shall bring it to the altar and wring its head off. Why is the pigeon's head wrung off? Because Christ has become her head. She doesn't have a head of her own. Her body is whole. It will not be cut into pieces. But her head is wrung off and thrown off because Christ has become her head. Be harmless like doves. Harmless like doves. She is one. And my dove is perfect. Now go to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, by this many become defiled. What is the, that causes defilement? It is bitterness. Dove is one word which bird which does not have a gallbladder. It was created without a gallbladder. So there is no bitterness in the dove. Even in creation... God had said, when I use a symbol, it will be symbol for my Holy Spirit and for my bride. They will be doves. There will be no bitterness in them. No bitterness. So overcome bitterness in your life. My girl won't be a bitter girl. You can make her work and work and work and work and work. She'll give her entire life off, but she won't be bitter. She won't be bitter. So Eliezer, kneeling by the well. And praying a prayer, and the girl who has to come is going to be the bride of Isaac, a type of the church that will be the bride. That's why the Holy Spirit is represented as a dove. Revelation 22, 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, two doves sitting on a branch and telling among the wolves and says, come. Come, all those who hear, let them drink. Come, 
Why? Because it does not exhaust her. She can, she has drawn so much from the wealth of salvation. She is able to say along with the Spirit, all those who are thirsty, I can feed you with the word of my Lord. I can feed you, I have feed you, I can feed you, I can feed you. Inexhaustible supplies stocked in my soul. So the Spirit and the bride together say, come. Whoever decides, let him take the water of the life freely. That's what a church should become. That's what a church should become. I will feed you. I will feed you. I will feed you. I will feed you. This is the church. This is the bride of Jesus Christ. And we all have to slowly day by day. Nobody reaches there in one day. How many years it took for God to prepare Rebecca to be that person. Because imagine, that is the day of her destiny. But you don't just come accidentally first to the well, unless that's your practice. It's your practice. You have a discipline. You are there. He knows all these girls will come. Once they come, it is a headache. You have to wait in the line for the water. No, I'm going ahead. I'm going to be there first and I'm going to draw all the water I need and I'm going to go home. And not only that, you are a hard-working girl. So drawing, this is not a big thing for me. Oh, yeah, I can draw. I can draw. That is endurance. That is endurance. Christ is looking for an enduring bride. That's why the promise common with everything is that he who endures till the end. As you go through all these trials and tests, can you draw out water from the wells of salvation from which you have drunk? And I look at Richard Wombrand and oh my gosh, 14 years in isolation. Where did he draw all this from? Comes out stronger than the way he went inside. Watchman needs unbelievable revelations and in-depth knowledge of God and his ways 21 years and then hung in the prison and dies. His books, we still try to read, still try to fathom its depths. Where did these people get this from? They could draw. They could draw. So you could be locked down without a Bible inside, but you already stocked the word in your soul. They loved God with their whole mind. Not today's shallow Christianity, all emotions and gup gup. Not that draw. They loved. They had stocked it and stocked it. And God was able to draw it out. These are all people who are dead I'm talking about. They still speak. From Abel onwards in that. Abel, though he is dead, still speak under that label of Abel. There are thousands of people who are still speaking though they are dead. They still speak to us. You actually look at Derek Prince and all. More people listen to him today than they listened when he was alive. Some of his messages, I look, man, when he was alive, the pe- one million people and all have already heard. <laughs> He's not a excitable teacher. Unless you love the word, you cannot sit and listen to him. He's with this mono drone. But if you love the word, you will say, boy, what a teacher. What a humble man and a humble wife. They will come and first make a proclamation and a lot of people don't like because she covers her head and she's, they make it very clear that's the way it should be. Okay. But, they're all dead. They're still speaking. No? Like, 
yesterday we preached on the bright somebody sent me this thing is talking about david wilkerson small clip talking about the pure bright he said he still speaking still speaking these are all people who are still speaking and they are all genuine authentic men of god genuine authentic men of god because in this last days god is opening but the question is asking us is where do we stand where do we stand okay we'll not we'll stop here we'll not get into further because then we are moving into another area then we have to finish that area we will stop with eliezer's prayer and tomorrow we shall make the grand appearance of rebecca okay rebecca that's where we look at and say lord here i am i want to be I want to be part of the bride rapture or capture two multiple choice question two choices only rapture or capture last generation okay actually three rapture death or capture death rapture or capture i should put either you die before rapture or you are raptured while you are living or you are captured and you die three choices which god will opt for us also depends upon us if we are the last generation okay and i'm telling you okay let's just to calm a set of fears uh, i'll take 5 minutes uh, not 5 minutes maybe less than that let's go to revelation chapter there is one fear that is sweeping the earth among believers but just to exp- look at it no, i'm not an authority i'm just looking at so that we read it as it is that is chapter 13 of revelation we'll read from verse 11 then i saw another beast coming out of the earth okay he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon so first you see yeah 11 first you see that beast that is coming up okay he looks like a lamb but he's got two horns christ has no horns okay christ has no horns so he looks like a lamb but a lamb with horns and he speaks like a dragon this is how deception comes he looks like a lamb that deceives a whole lot of christians he looks like a lamb but they don't see the horns they don't see the horns and when he speaks they don't have because he looks like a lamb they don't realize he speaks like a dragon and the dragon's primary purpose is deception speaks like a dragon intimidation deception dragon then verse 12 he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed Okay, 12 and 13 go together he performs great signs so that even makes fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men so the the one thing in the old testament that brought israel back to god was bringing fire down from heaven and the others couldn't do anything about it and the second thing is the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead he will duplicate both the beast that died will come back so he will duplicate fake two things he will bring fire from heaven and he will show a resurrection then what will believers believers are caught between two of the greatest signs in the old and the new testament he brought fire you don't know your word well 
you never spend all your time in the spirit praying and loving God with all your mind and two of those incredible things has happened and verse 14 and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs he was granted to do in the sight of the beast do you see this is a problem with signs and wonders signs and wonders are okay but it should not be among the believers what does Jesus say to this unbelieving generation. An unbelieving generation asks for a... Believers don't need signs. The greatest sign a believer has is the cross. After that, he doesn't need any more signs. If it happens, it is fine. But he doesn't need any more signs to validate anything. Because he himself is a sign. What happened on Calvary has happened in him. What more sign do you want? That is the greatest sign. That is the greatest sign. It has happened in him. He doesn't need a sign anymore. So, signs are for unbelievers. So, when believers get deceived, you have to be very, very careful. And he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So, now the image of the beast can speak whatever technology you want to use it or whatever. It will go even more further and further and further and further. Okay? And then, yeah, further down. He causes all, both small and great and rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. This is now what is causing all the tension, real tension. Because they believe this thing, COVID-19 has come in, vaccination is going to come and vaccination is going to be made mandatory. Mandatory. So you get the vaccination and they give you a RIFD chip or whatever uh, mark which can be found under a scanner it may be if you want it visible you can take it here if you don't want it invisible whatever all these things that is going on and the fear has gripped the people but the point is that we have not come to that stage don't fear we have not come to that stage we have not come to that stage there is no image here there is no beast here Nothing made to worship or anything. We have not come to that stage. So, we have to be very, very careful how we deal with situations. We have to be very, very careful about the situations. Because Daniel and his friends were taken to Babylon. And all their freedoms were taken away. Their names were changed. Identity was changed. They were taken to the university. They put their... Their clothes were changed. Everything was changed. The education was going to change, meaning even their mind was going to be changed. So they had no choice about any of those things. And then this food is set over there. And they had no choice in any of these things. They did not fight about any of those things. They made a simple choice about a small little thing and were very respectful about it. Can we just have pulses and water? So don't jump every time thinking this is the mark of the beast and then start fighting the government over vaccine. Do I believe in vaccines? Mostly not. But some vaccines are good, but I also believe there is a huge demonic this thing with the vaccine, with the vaccination. I, ha I know that. I believe that there's a lot of things that is happening with vaccination. So how do I look at vaccination if it comes? Yet it is not definitely the mark of the beast. And I don't know whether the vaccination is safe or not. That is where scripture comes in. Mark 16 comes in. 
Because everything that we take, eat, inhale is poisonous. And you have to believe body for the Lord, the Lord for the body. I am immune to poison. Immune to poison. Immune to poison. So this is where we have to be very, very careful how we go, how we go in this line forward and not make a huge this thing about it until we are very, very sure. But yes, steps are coming. These are all stuff that is happening to prepare a world for that mindset. Because this whole hangama. So what do we have to pray? We have to pray this has to, to be exposed. Strategically, the church has to pray. The wickedness behind all this has to be exposed. Whoever is behind it, whether it is scientists or a cabal or Illuminati, whoever are these people behind it, who is trying to enslave mankind and get the elect into trouble, Lord, expose them. Church has to pray strategically. There is one who can expose. Okay. That is why I have issues with... Uh, People who will say, I command this sparse judgment and also talk about vaccination with the same breath. I want to know which side does he belong? Does Bill Gates pay him or what? Bill Gates is big on vaccination. And he's got a blood of so many people in his hands because of his vaccinations and laughs about it. Yeah, this one tested may make vaccination trials maybe 600, 700,000 deaths and as if it's a joke. Okay. These are all traffickers. Okay, all traffickers. But we have to not fear. We have to look at this whole picture and realize, you know what, this is what is expected of the bride. The bride is sent as a sheep among the wolves. She's wise as a serpent. Understands the wiles and the devices and the tactics of the enemy. And she knows how to go against it because she has the wisdom of Christ. So when the devil is able to say it is written, she also is able to say it is also written. You don't fool me. I see through all your tricks. I see through. Yet, the bride has been given incredible power to intercede because the bride and the spirit together say, meaning she is a prayer, not a warrior. She's a vessel through which the spirit prays. So she has power to effect changes in the system because I told you the church rules the earth in prayer. It's in prayer. That's how God has given. Prayer is the vehicle by which church enforces. That is why Jesus said, this teaches to pray. He said, this is how you pray. You know what your prayer is all about? Your prayer is about bringing my will and my kingdom down. That's your prayer. That's how you do. In prayer, you bring the will, the name and the kingdom of my father down. So our prayer life has to change. Entirely has to change. And that is all connected with Eliezer kneeling, camels kneeling down by the well, and he prays. And he prays. Understand that. Those who have been born recently to those who are old timers, this season, your prayer life has to change. We are changing your word life. But your prayer life has to change. Really, really change and ask God to give you wisdom and discernment. Understand what the bride is. The bride does not have a head. Her head has been wrung off and thrown because her head is Christ. She has the head of Christ. She knows who her head is. She is not headless, but a head has been replaced with Christ. And she is not cut into pieces. She offers herself as a whole 
and it is no man who cuts herself, only the priest will do that. Her sacrifice is from the priest. Meaning, the priest is Christ Jesus who offered himself as a whole sacrifice. The bride also offers herself as a living sacrifice. And that's how we have to see. Shall we pray? Father, this night we come to you, Lord. We are looking at these incredible pictures in the Bible, the Canaanite spirit that is driven by lust, Lord. Entirely driven. This whole world is driven by the lust for power, the lust for recognition, the lust. Even when they do good deeds, it is empowered by lust to be recognized, O oh Father. And I pray, Father, you will save us from this. Even the charitable deeds we do, we don't want the world to know about it. Within our church, maybe, to encourage one another, but beyond that, we don't want anybody to know this, Lord. It is just to encourage, to spur each other, your word says, with good works, that's all. But we want to be hidden from the eyes of the world. We just want to lift Jesus up. And if the word comes to know about it, it's because you reveal it to the world. Other than that, Father, we have no desire, Lord, no desire. We understand the spirit of Canaan, the spirit of Babylon. We don't want to be traffickers. They traffic in souls. We, on the other hand, surrender and bring souls to you, Lord, that they may be saved. I pray everybody who is hearing will understand and put a value on their soul. Touch, Father, touch tonight. Touch and comfort people. There are so many struggling. Comfort them. Strengthen them. Let the bride know she is not alone. The Spirit is with her. Let her be able to speak as one voice with the Spirit. It is the bride and the Spirit who say, Come. One voice. And I now take authority in the name of Jesus. Bind every work of darkness that is aimed against God's elect over his people. We bind you in the name of Jesus. What we bind on earth is bound in heaven. And so are all your workers of iniquity around the world. I pray and I speak confusion into the ranks of the enemy. They will look, but they will not see. They will listen, they will not hear. They will search but they will be confounded. I pray, send the spirit of confusion in the ranks of the enemy. Total confusion in the ranks of enemy. Like you did in the city of Sodom. Like you did with the enemies of Israel. Total confusion in the ranks of the enemy, Lord. Yet let there be a harvest of souls in these days, O oh Lord. Let people come out. Touch, 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 Lord. Touch the hearts of your people. Touch, Lord, touch. There are so many, Lord, searching, looking. Let them come out. Let them come out. Let them come out. Put their trust and faith in you alone. And you will sustain them with the power of your right hand. You will hold them safe. God, I pray you will be that wall of fire around your people. And all of us, Lord, will hallow your name. Not call upon your name alone, but hallow your name. Come, Lord Jesus, today.
sup with us. This meeting will be over here, but our meeting with you should not cease. Sup with us. To all your children everywhere, Lord. Be fearless. Knowing God is with them. God is covering them. God is protecting them. Let them not fear. For God is for them. And God is with them. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let there be a thundering from heaven. That whole of spiritual realm too is shaken. And their servants fall to the ground. So that your people are safe. Let these workers of wickedness be exposed. And their work be exposed. Pray for the church, Lord, everywhere. Protect, keep your church, keep your servants. Let all your servants be true servants of Eliezer, the Spirit of God, hidden in him. Beasts of burden who carry the burden of Abraham on their shoulders to find a bride for Isaac. Let that be our burden, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father, thank you. Go with us, go before us. Through this night, through the days ahead. We commit everything into thy hands and we also proclaim thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.